We've been talking about core values here. And can I just say this? I think part of the reason for why God has added to our multitude here in such a wonderful way is because how many of you know it's important to be clear about what you stand for? If you're not clear about what you believe, it's really hard to gather people around you when they have no idea where they're going or where you're going. So it's very important to be clear about what we believe. And how many of you know the Bible's, when God says, thus saith the Lord, that means he's pretty clear about what he believes. And it doesn't mean we all can believe that there aren't areas that are gray, all right? I I know there are. But, you know, on the big issues, they're not gray. God has spoken, thus saith the Lord. Our job is to agree with the Lord, and our job is to move forward in boldness. And so I think as we understand our values, then people can go, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that tribe, or they're going to run the opposite direction as fast as they can. How many of you know both responses are helpful? All right. Uh, you don't want people on your bus that shouldn't be, and the people on your bus should know where the bus is going, and they should be having a party on the bus. All right. So you guys, your job is to have a party on the bus. All right. Because we're going somewhere together, and the core values tell us where we're going. Now, I need you to help me preach this morning. That means when I say something, you go, "Amen, Pastor." Yeah. Yes. 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 All right. All right. Core values, bold faith. We're not going to shrink back in fear. We're moving forward. We're not going to play it safe. We're going to believe God for big things. So we have big stories. How about pregnant hope? We're not going to shrink back. Oh my gosh, it's getting so bad. Where's the Antichrist? No, we're not looking for the Antichrist. No, we are going to be the answer to the world. We're going to let Jesus take care of the Antichrist. He already has. We're going to, we're going to focus on bringing good news, which is what the gospel is. We're not going to quit on people. We're going to practice daring love, not cotton candy feel-good love, but love that says, I'm in the ditch with you. I'm holding on. We're not quitting. I'm going to love you to life even when it's hard because that's what Jesus did for us. We're going to practice a growth mindset. Oh, everybody's excited. Listen, it means you're at a place where you're never going to be allowed to get comfortable. That was a week. That armor, that was weak. It means you're going on an exciting adventure to keep getting more of Jesus. growing in your experiential knowledge of his love for you and watching him move through you and he will constantly push you out of your comfort zone because nobody grows in their comfort zone one of the best things i heard at our starting point class i've only heard it one time someone's actually said well we looked at lots of different churches but we chose this church because we knew we could be comfortable at all those other churches but we knew we would be uncomfortable here <laughs> i said i think that's a compliment thank you for that but no it was how many of you you don't want to go to a place where you don't change We want to move towards Jesus. I don't want to be the same old person I am today. I want to be a better version of me. And you should have said amen. That was your chance to say, yes, pastor. You need to be a better version of you. Hallelujah. All right. I mean, you know, we're about covenant relationships, relationships that last forever. So you cannot hold unforgiveness against me. (laughs) And And I can't hold unforgiveness against you. 
I am going to love you and you're going to love me. And we're not just going to get in these little petty arguments and I'm going to take my ball and go home. No, you're not. Grow up. We're in covenant relationship. Everybody in this room that loves Jesus, like, like we, don't have, we don't have segments in heaven. Like you come in and go, Oh, those, that's where all the people I hated at church, they're, they're over in that neighborhood. I'm over in the, no! One big family. Loving Jesus, loving each other. So how many of you figured it out? We better get started now. How about this? If there's someone, you come into church and you're like, oh, I hope they're not at this service. I hope they're not at this service. Might be an indication you got some work to do. Moving right along. All right. Increasing excellence. Now, we're not hanging out this false plumb line. You've got to achieve this. No performance orientation. No, no, no. How many of you know we just want to be, become the best version of us we can become? We want to love people well. We want to do what we do well. We want it to glorify the Lord. We want, it, we want to bring our A game. Amen? We want to bring our A game with the Lord. And today we're going to end on something that I think is so, so critical. And that is the call to kingdom generosity. How many of you want to be living a life out of the overflow? Now listen, I'm going to put a big break right here. Come to a screeching halt. Sometimes when a pastor says generosity, you're waiting for the ushers to show up with the plates, all right? I hope you find that that's not the case. We just got rid of the ushers. They're not even having any plates right now, right? I'm making a point. Generosity is not about an action like, oh, I'm going to be generous. Generosity is a lifestyle that comes out of a heart that overflows. It comes from an orientation to where you're no longer bottled up and it's, and it's all about you and your world. It's where the Holy Spirit opens your heart to care about other people and to be aware of other people and to be aware of situations. This is the most liberating thing that can happen. So that the, the well of the Holy Spirit, when he comes to live inside of us, he, the Bible says he is a river of living water that gushes out of us. You know why the Holy Spirit wants to flow out of you? Because God, point number one, is a generous God. God is like an overflowing fountain. Some of you wonder, well, God, you know, I remember a lady I was talking to one time. She said, she's telling me all of her problems. And man, I was getting depressed. Just listening to everything. I finally said to her, I said, have you ever brought these things to the Lord? She said, well, you know, I don't really want to bother God with, with my problems. And I said, well, you know, he's a big God and he's on Xanax because he's got to deal with the rest of the world's problems. And, and he could probably squeeze a few of your problems in there. No, how many of you know that's not God? God is big enough to handle all of the problems of the world. And he's so generous. His heart is always overflowing to people. It's the nature of who he is. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, look at this last. Ask our generous God. How many of you have a vision of God that's generous? That when you come to him, when you come to him, it's not like, well, Lord, um, could you maybe please, if you could get enough love and care in your heart for little old me, could you please? No, what kind of prayer is that? Begging God for to be kind to you? Begging God for his goodness to you? Come on. God is, by definition, generous, which means he's always flowing outward to be kind toward you. We sang about it this morning, the goodness of God. 
It's unstoppable. It's overflowing. Look at what the Bible says about Jesus in Romans chapter 3. Out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with himself. That's called mercy and grace. How many of you are grateful for the sheer generosity of God? Amen. Why? Why are you born again today? Is it because you're Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful? No. Although you are now in Christ. We love you. You are wonderful. Kenny, you're especially wonderful, buddy. Just wanted you, you probably needed that this morning. Out of the sheer generosity of God, he sent his son to die on a cross for me and to die on a cross for you and to shed his blood out of the generosity of the heart of God. Which means in the lowest times in life, we can be reminded of the generosity of God. He knows, he understands, he gets it, and he is still reaching out in kindness and goodness, and he still promises to work all things together for his glory, for the good of his people. That's the kind of generosity God has. That's the generosity of God. God put us in right standing with himself. The Bible says it's a pure gift. He got me and you out of the mess we're in. And he restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. That's the generosity of Jesus. And I want you to see this. So we serve a generous God. God demonstrates his generosity in giving us his son. Out of the generosity of the son. How many know the Bible says Jesus, with Christ we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many of you know he's the vine, we're the branches? That means everything that the vine has, it makes available to the branches. Jesus is so generous. In fact, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that is Christ is mine and yours. He holds nothing back from us. Isn't this amazing? Now, there's a responsibility that comes with it. Look at what Matthew 5, 48 says. And again, some of you are saying, well, Pastor, why are you quoting all the Message Bible, this paraphrase? Let me tell you why right now, because you will understand this really, really well. Listen to what it says. In a word, what I'm saying, this is Jesus talking, is grow up. Now, how many of you ever heard that? I've used that with my kids. My dad used it on me. It's a great phrase. Grow up. Take responsibility. That's what it means in the Greek, okay? I just gave you the Greek. Grow up. All right. For you Bible scholars out there. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Isn't this beautiful? It says, freely you have received in one passage, freely give. So in other words, God's gracious and generous. Jesus releases the full measure of all that the cross accomplished for us. And now the Bible says, Grow up now. Let's live that way. Let's be gracious and kind and loving and generous in our activities and actions towards other people. This word generous, our English word, comes from an old French word. I love this. It means of noble birth. Make the connection with me. Of noble birth. A generous person realizes they come from nobility or wealth. Okay, let's put it back in our context. Everybody's going, all right, well, I ain't no wealthy person. You know, come on, I, I, you, you're familiar with your bank account. I'm familiar with mine. But how many of you know, if you're born from above, you're of noble birth? You're, you're a son or daughter of the king, which means you live in nobility. Now, here's what God told me one time, and it's so important. He said, listen, 
If you will love people, love the least of these, love the poor, love the broken, do what I've called you to do. In other words, act like me, carry my father heart. I will provide you with the budget to act like me. Now here's the, here's the catch 22. Most of the time when we're called to act like God, the money hasn't showed up yet. So you're going, yeah, Lord, I'll pay for that for those people. Um, hey, my dad's going to take care of that. My father's got that. Do you guys use Venmo? All my kids are doing Venmo. I've never Venmoed before. I feel like I need to be initiated and someone needs to teach me. But people say, hey, we'll, we'll Venmo that to your account. I'm like, cool. All right, whatever that is. Magic money shows up. I just picture this with the Lord. You know, you step out, and God's asking you to do something. You're, you're looking at yourself in the natural, but then you remember, ah, I'm of noble birth. I don't have it all in my pocket, but my dad does. How many of you literally, you stepped out, you've done something in obedience to God, and then God showed up after you stepped out? See, the problem with most of us, see, see here's the deal. The generous person does not think about when to step out because it's second nature. Y'all see, see, here's what I'm trying to get. I don't want us to think about being generous. I just want us to be generous. Like, you know, what would I do now if I were generous? No, 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 no. It's not a choice. It, 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 is, it is our default. How many of you saw the, the secret to Jesus' ministry was he was always moved with compassion? He saw stuff. It touched his heart. He's weeping over Israel uh, or Jerusalem. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, he's crying at the funeral with the mother with the child uh, because he knows what it's like for a father to lose a son because he's getting ready to go to the cross and to die for our sins. He's full of compassion all the time. So what does he do? He just acts. And then when he acts, check this out. The Holy Spirit delivers all the goods that are in Jesus to our situation. And then we got cool stories to tell. That's, that's what generous people have, cool stories, all right? Let's be a generous people together. Let's make sure we have good stories. Let's remember we come from noble birth. Point number two, our response to God's generosity is gratitude. How many of you want to go to a church that's full of thankful people? Thankful people. When we pause to think about the crazy, extravagant generosity of Jesus toward me, toward you, it causes gratitude to well up in our hearts. That's why giving should never be out of any kind of a spirit except one of great gratitude. It's just simply saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look at what David says, Psalm 16. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. Can, can we just pause right here? You know, we, we, a lot of times we teach an installment faith Christianity. It's like, yeah, I gave my little toe and my right foot to Jesus at the altar today. He doesn't have the rest of me, but he's working on me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe that's your experience. But how many of you know Christianity is about a, a change in masters? And, we, and here, here's the, the misnomer. Sometimes we think it's a change from me giving my life to Jesus, and I was once the master. But how many of you know if you think you're the master, you're deceived? Because if you think you're the master, Satan's done a really great job of pulling the wool over your eyes. Jesus, remember Jesus said a lot, lot of offensive things, but one of them was he said to the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. <laughs> so, so let me just tell you something. If God is not your master, Satan is. 
that goes for every person sitting here this morning. You're either mastered by Satan or you're mastered by God. And so to be a Christian, you come to a place where you do this. You say, Lord, everything that I am and everything that I have is yours. That is the foundation of a generous life. Because you're not going, oh, well, let me see if I can, you know, slip the Lord a 20 this week, uh, you know, and help the brother out. That was good. How many of you know, if you're just... If you're just tipping God with your time and your life, I mean, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible to go to church and be full of unforgiveness and bitterness and let Jesus be your master. It's impossible. Christians try it all the time. But Jesus is not the master over unforgiveness and bitterness. Jesus doesn't rule over that kingdom. That kingdom is from a different place. So how many of you know you might have some, some work to do to deal with some of that? Generous people are generous with forgiveness. They're generous with others. I mean, you know, we're not, we don't take offenses around here. You know why we don't take offenses? Because we're full of generous spirits. We don't have tiny, stingy hearts. We have big hearts. Big-hearted people can forgive other people. They can choose to move on. They can choose not to get burdened down, mired down in the mud of all the relational junk that many people live in. You got to make sure you're generous. You got to make sure the Lord is master. Everything that he has. Now, let me just share how this works. When something goes wrong at my house and my bank account is not at a place to fix it, uh, what I say to the Lord, like some of you don't remember my story about my front porch sinking, all right? I literally would walk out on my front porch on my way to work every day and I would say, Lord, your front porch is sinking. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm really not. Because I could either get irritated that my front porch is sinking, or I could realize it's not my front porch in the first place. I'm, God blessed me with this house. He blessed me. I'm just a steward. God, I want to fix this front porch for you because it's your front porch. But have you looked at my bank account lately? All right? And in my situation, because we were giving generously and extravagantly toward the last building fund, God fixed my front porch in the most crazy supernatural way. I wish I had time to go into it this morning with a total stranger driving by on a motorcycle who, who the Lord spoke to him and said, go fix that man's front porch. He's a man of God. How many of you know? We can either worry about God's property for him, or we can just sit, say, Lord, it's all yours. And I mean, you know, when God blesses you with a house, it's for ministry. It's so you can swing the doors open and love people. It's not so you can create a museum. Don't touch that. Hey, ho, 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 ho. Yeah, if that's your house, make your house ministry friendly. All right? Because the house belongs to the Lord. It's for people. It's not just for you. It's for other people. Take a look with me. Oh, my goodness. All right. Take a look with me. Romans chapter 1. Through him, we have received both the generous gift of his life. How many of you are grateful for Jesus giving you life? But notice this. We not only got a gift, but we also got a task. With the life comes a task. We receive the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. You are who you are through this gift and call of Christ. And I greet you now 
with all the generosity of God our Father and our Master, Jesus the Messiah. So how many of you know we've received a gift? We're forgiven, we're free, hallelujah, we're whole. But with the gift comes a task. The task is to take the generosity of God and become a conduit of the blessing. That's when it gets to be really, really fun. And gratitude is really the foundation of generosity. So let's be a church that's generous with love for other people. Let's be a church that's generous in forgiving other people. Let's be a church that's generous with our resources. You know, we, this building has been used by all kinds of people, all different ministries. And I just want you to know, I want this ministry and the facility God's blessed us with to be used to bless all kinds of organizations and group in town. And we want to give it away freely. Because freely we have received, we're going to freely give it. This should be a wellspring of life and blessing to the whole community. And that's what we want it to be. And in fact, I just will challenge you right now, which is part of why we're having our meeting tonight. Uh, You can hardly find a time in this building when it is not buzzing with people. In fact, I had a total stranger, not stranger to Living Stones, come up to me at at the Y the other day and said, what is going on at Living Stones? Every time I drive by, the parking lot is full of cars. I said, God is on the move. And, uh, and people are being touched and people are being healed by all kinds of ministries here. So to God be the glory. Point number three, God doesn't want your money. He wants you. Look at what it says in Luke 6.38. Give away your life and you'll find life given back to you. But not merely given back. This is the good news. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. C.S. Lewis said this, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. So here's the deal. You never have to fuss with people about stuff when people have just simply given their life away. You know, when Jesus has you, you don't worry about the details. But I've noticed the people that are the most uh, frustrating to deal with when it comes to generosity or the lack of a spirit of generosity are people, it's still all about them. They've never surrendered their life. They're still holding on. Their dreams, their thing, their whatever, the American dream, their business, whatever. No, no, give it all to Jesus and watch Him. Did you notice that? When you give your life away, because how many of you have heard heard this said before? It's the truth. You can't outgive God. I mean, how many of you really believe that? If God is a generous Father and He is the source of every blessing we have, then how many of you know all you got to do is follow the stream upstream to the fountain and you realize the fountain's greater than the stream? So whatever you think you can do to be a blessing to other people, God will always supersize it. That's where the fun comes in. It's when you watch God take what you do in the natural and take it to the next level. In fact, I love the way this paraphrase says it here. God will give you uh, back with bonus and blessing. You know, the Bible says when you lend to to the poor, when you help the poor, that you lend to the Lord. And, And when you lend to somebody, their job is to pay you back with interest. Right? God pays back with a bonus. The person whose life is full of generosity is not a small person. They're a very large person. They're a person who's living under the blessing of God Almighty. My life is a sacred gift, so is yours. And the people around us are sacred gifts. Our job is to be a conduit of God's grace to other people. 
to be generous with our time, with our words, our gifts, our talents, our possession, our money, all of it, everything that's a part of my life, we want to be generous with that. Have you ever appreciated somebody who, you know, when they're talking to you at church, and by the way, I want to encourage all of you, get here early. The reason we have, well, for two reasons. Well, maybe don't get here too early. You will not find a parking spot, but get here yet. Get, but get here kind of early. Get a cup of coffee and look for as many people as you can to speak life to. What would happen if we got together every week and you went up to as many people as you could and this is what you just said, hey, Joe, just want to let you know, buddy, I so appreciate you. Grateful for your friendship. Hey, thanks for this or that. Uh, really appreciate it. I love your heart, whatever. I, I picked on Andy Stett this morning because Andy Stett will come up. Kevin, you've probably been a recipient of one of these before. He'll come up and give you the backhand. And he says, hey, he says, uh, can I just share something with you? The Lord's been laying you on my heart. And he just, he just speaks an encouraging word to you. Uh, it's always encouraging. And, uh, and, and I, I said to Andy this morning, when you come to church, are you thinking about who you can bless? And he goes, absolutely. In other words, it's become a lifestyle. But why is he doing that? It's because his heart is full. And I asked Andy, do you, Andy, do you ever come and you're empty and you, and you need people to encourage you? And he said, absolutely. But guess what happens with generous people? When you live a generous lifestyle, God knows what you need. And when you spend your life encouraging people and loving people, guess what happens? They come up and encourage and love you. What would happen in this church, and I'm saying it is happening, but let's keep it happening. When God lays somebody on your heart, maybe it's a financial need. Has, has the Lord ever spoken to you and said, go give $500 to so-and-so? And then you go, what? <laughs> like, Lord, have you looked at my checking account lately? And then all of a sudden you hear silence. How many of you know when you hear silence, that's because God's no longer talking to you? <laughs> and I'm going to give you the Ron Johnson version, because you're being an idiot. And God's like, you heard me. You say that to your kids all the time. You heard me. That means just do what I ask you to do. You know what happens when you write that check and you're obedient and you bless that person and then you find out later, oh my goodness, you don't even know what I've been going through. And then here's the cool thing. While it's coming out of your hand here, God's already supplying it on the backside. You haven't even walked into it yet. But when you do, you just go, oh my goodness. It blows your mind. So here's what, here's what I love happening. And I've been the courier of this, and my wife has, and other people have. Hey, take the, because sometimes people say, I don't want anybody to know where this came from. But can you imagine what happens when, when the church starts listening to the Holy Spirit, and we start being generous when we know about a need somebody else has, or tough situation someone's going through, a loss someone's going through, and you just release the generous heart of God. It's like a supernatural thing that goes through the body uh, where there is no end to the amount of blessing that's released because that's the way God works. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Let's be that kind of church. Point number four, very quickly, generosity opens the door to supernatural provision. I want you to get this. We preached on supernatural provision. I want to hit it. Generosity opens the door to supernatural provision. If we are a generous people and God's calling us to big faith, which means we have to believe him for things that are beyond our natural ability, then how many of you know sometimes that, that big faith involves provision? Like, how is this going to happen? You know, when we, we recognized we needed that foyer, we had no idea all of you were coming. I'm just being serious. In fact, some people at the time thought it might have been slightly overblown, like, 
I remember standing out in the parking lot looking at that foyer and going, wow, we're going to be called the Church of the Big Foyer. <laughs> of course, before then, we were the Church of the Teeny Weeny Foyer, which was right behind you right there. I thought, oh my goodness, that is a big foyer. What is a foyer? It is a nice, big, open, empty space that feels really empty when it's not full of people. But guess what? God knew it would be full of people. But listen, listen. We didn't quite know that. But you know what we had to do? Hear and obey. And be generous. I'm just telling you we're in another season of hearing and obeying and following the Lord. And, uh, and if we do it, We'll be laughing our guts out uh, as we see what God does in response to our faith and obedience, because that's the way that he works. But he's a generous God, and he brings supernatural provision. Listen to this. This is a powerful verse. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Put this on your refrigerator. Put it in your bathroom. Put it, put it wherever you uh, frequent, all right? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Have you ever known people that were just critical of everything? They're nitpickers. They're always, the glass is always half empty. Don't look around. Don't elbow your spouse, all right? <laughs> but when people get in a spirit like that, they get to be, their, their spirit on the inside gets really tiny. And how many of you know, no one wants to be around people like that. Oh, what about this? Oh, yeah. Well, we are negative, negative, negative. It's just like they're just like shrivel up. They're, 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 they're small on the inside. Can I, I want, please help me out. If you're a stingy person, you're small on the inside, please don't talk to me before I preach. You'll make it miserable for everybody else, all right? Or I've done this. I've, I preached the greatest, most encouraging sermon is somebody will come with me. Well, pastor, you know what you said, you know. That right there, I'm not so sure that's biblical. I'm like, Thank you for pointing that out. I'll try to correct it in the next service. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Talk to me later. Send me an email, Instagram. Send the singing crew to come over and sing it to me or something. I don't know. But these people are so stingy and tiny. But people that are generous... The world is a big place. The world is full of opportunity. The world is full of God to move and for God to act and for the love of God to be demonstrated. Or the world is not where I'm at now. I'm, God keeps enlarging and taking me to better places. Let's be a big person. Let's be a generous person. Let's be big-hearted people. People that when the need arises, we're like, yes, we can do that. Yes, we can take that. How about Caleb and Joshua kind of people? That's the kind of people I want to worship with. Caleb and Joshua people. Look at what it says next. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Can I just say, the generous will prosper. Have you ever noticed there's, there's two kinds of people? Again, the stingy people are always looking. In America, the politicians are so good, good at this. Have you noticed how they divide us? And to the haves and the have-nots, we talk about paying your fair share and all this kind of class. It's class economic warfare. Can I just help you out? It's Marxism. Yes. It's Marxism. It's not biblical. If, if, if Satan can get you focusing on what you don't have 
instead of on blessing people with what you do have, he will keep you a small person and a bitter person and a negative person. But when you hang around people that aren't looking at what they don't have, they're just looking at how they can bless you with what they do have. Can I tell you something? That person is going on a trajectory of enlargement. They're not going to stay there. You know, if you're stingy in business, word spreads that, you know, don't work with that person, man. They, they hold you to the line. I mean, there's no, there's no fat in that contract. But you know what? When you're with people who are generous and they give over the top or they provide extra service or they say, hey, no problem, we'll write that off, whatever. Uh, it's not worth fighting over. You know what? When you act that way and you're big-hearted, God brings business to you. God enlarges you. God expands you. This is supernatural. Say, Pastor, I never learned that, getting my, uh, my master's degree in business or whatever. Well, no, they don't teach this stuff because it's, this is the Bible. This is God's economy, not the way the world works. You know, some people, it's that whole idea of, of the pie. You know, I was joking around. My, my mom's grandmother, all right, she lived through the Depression and all that, and people that have lived through the Depression, I mean, it, it marked them. Some of you know people like that. And when we would go on vacation, we'd be sitting around the table. My grandma would make this amazing peach pie. And before we got to dessert, Granny always would go in and get her pie before we even said the prayer over the food. We didn't even have the main course. Granny already had her piece of pie right there next to her because Granny was not going to be without pie. I remember Marion and I, we stayed uh, with a landlord out in Virginia Beach when I was in grad school, and, uh, and he had gone through the Depression, and I went down in his basement. This is a single man in his 80s. He must have had 80-some rolls of hand, paper hand towel in his basement. I was in awe. I thought I was in a hand towel museum or something. Like <laughs> I'm like, you could not wipe your hands off with that many rolls of hand towel if you try. But listen, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know what you start thinking about when you're afraid that you're not going to have enough? Where's my next hand towel coming from? You already got 85 of them. Where's the next one coming from? Share it with other people. No, I might need them someday. <laughs> Brother, have a hand towel revival down here. Start getting out to the neighbors for crying out loud. <laughs> the world of the generous, larger. Generous people refresh other people. You know, John Maxwell says you come up to people, they either have a plus sign on their forehead or a negative sign. Either they're going to suck you dry emotionally and in every other way, or they will add value to your life. And guess what? You get to choose. Are you going to be a plus sign or a negative sign? Are you going to decrease people's value? Are you going to increase people's value? If you increase people's value, you will be a refresher around people. Now, I messed with everybody this morning, all right? Spouses that are here, married couples, just ask your wife sometime, honey, am I a refresher? When you're around me, do you feel refreshed? Am I a breath of fresh air? I mean, that's a pretty good question. Because if the answer is yes, you're going to have a killer marriage. If the answer is no, you're on a bad trajectory. 
Is this, this, is real, this is practical. Here's what I want. What happens at Living Stones if we practice supernatural generosity? We come in with a default to bless. This place will be buzzing with life. I've already heard some of you say, I love church. It's my favorite time of the week. I love going there. I love this. I love that. Well, why? Because you're getting refreshed. And when all of us choose to be on that trajectory, my goodness, it's amazing what God can do. All right, quickly, I got three minutes. It's killing me. Point number five, generosity prevents us from wasting our lives. Now, I'm going to give you some interesting information here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Tell those rich in this world to quit being so full of themselves, so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Whenever I would read about the rich in the Bible, I never, ever applied it to myself. How about you? I'm like, yeah, them rich people. Quit being so obsessed. Let me give you the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says. In 2018, the median income per household in America was $62,000 and some change. Median income. When you compare $62,000 with the world, you're in the top 1% of income in the world. And here's the, here's the other truth. If you break down the top 1%, you're in the top one-fifth of one percent. How many of you have just realized when we read about the rich in the Bible, it's talking about us? Next time you read rich in the Bible, it's you. And so the Bible says to those of all of us rich people, <laughs> this is going to help some of you. To all of us rich people in this room, tell them, go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever imagine. Tell them, do good. Tell them to be rich in helping other people. Tell them to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. D.L. Moody said this, our greatest fear should not be the fear of failure, but the succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Isn't that good? Here's what I want to encourage you guys. Let's live for something bigger than ourselves. Let's not waste our lives. I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror now and I'm like, I remember when I was going into high school my freshman year and I thought, oh, is high school ever going to be over? That seems like yesterday. And now look at me. Life goes by so quickly. This is what I want to encourage each one of us. Can we live radically generous lives? Can we add value to people? Can we, can we recognize that everything that everybody owns in this room belongs to our master? And can we come together and really be intentional about making sure that we leave a mark both now and, in the, and, and through eternity? That, that I love that scene, right, from Braveheart or whatever, that what we do here echoes through eternity. What a great quote. Well, guess what? What you do with your life echoes through eternity. So we just want to make the biggest splash we possibly can. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And can I just pray with us today? And maybe if you're in agreement, just say, Lord, do it in me. But we're just asking the Lord to enlarge our hearts today. Hey, we got marriage class at 4 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. Lots of testimonies from our ladies, I'm sure, will come out. Come on out to that. Don't forget to stop by. If you got interest in the pro-life ministry here, Living Stones, check that out. 
And again, on the way out, we're going to give to the Lord on our way out. So if you got your tithes or offerings or first fruits, uh, you can give on the way out. Father, thank you for the privilege of being nobility. It's amazing to stand here today in front of you as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you for bringing us into your kingdom because of your generous love for us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now, Lord, set our sights on what we can do to release the full measure of who you've been to us. Release that to a world that's in need. There's so many people hurting, so many broken people, so many people without hope, so many people looking for love, so many people, they need help. Lord, even as we leave here today, I ask you to open our eyes to be able to see the needs, see the treasures that are hidden all around us in people's lives. Lord, thank you that this church is a generous church, that these people are generous people, that the ministries are so generous in the release of who you are and the blessing that you are to other people. Lord, we just pray that we'd be continually marked with a reputation of radical kingdom generosity. So Lord, help us to do that. Keep, keep stretching us, keep growing us, keep breaking our hearts like, like you did with the disciples. Keep filling us with compassion like Jesus had. And Father, I just pray again, may we leave the, the biggest mark we can possibly leave for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen.